All right, good afternoon. We're here with uh, part three for the CID educational series on how to get started in commercial real estate. Um, Mike Mito, CID president. I'm joined by Mr. Ryan Pierce. Yes, former CID president. <laughs> yes. I've done my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Well, anyhow. I used to joke and say, uh, I'm looking for a coup or uh, impeachment. Yeah. All of these, these terms are all very popular in the politics these days as well. Anyway. Uh, so earlier on in the, in the series, we did site selection. And so now we're going to dig into, hey, we've identified a couple different sites. Um, we're, now we're going to do a lease comparison. So, Ryan, why would you be doing a lease comparison? What do you think some of the things are that you'd be looking for in doing a lease comparison analysis? So, a few years ago, I had a uh, assignment where I took on this uh, hospice group and did a tenant rep. And it's always very important to ask your client questions that are specific to their, you know, their business needs, you know operationally what do they need what's going to be you know mm-hmm. factors in choosing a place how does their business operate exactly it's you got to always ask the right questions and what made it uh pretty interesting was this particular person was very good in that field of work but she'd never really done any real estate stuff other than her own personal home mm-hmm. so there were a lot of terms that she had to get brought up the speed with and when we identified these two locations that were going to be under consideration they had pretty different terms because there were different types of properties right. and had to compare them make it really easy for her to go to her higher ups and say this is why we need to go with this property versus this one type of thing so right yeah. in a broad scenario you're, you're you're trying to make it so that you're comparing oranges with oranges right right in a general sense that the terms Whatever they might be, gross, net, parking, allotment, tenant improvement, all those things, so that you're you're able to do more of a side by side comparison. Yeah, rentable versus usable square footage type of thing. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. If it's a gross lease or a triple net or somewhere in between, um, you know, sure. full you gonna, service, whatever. You know, you're going to need to know what those actual costs of operations are going to be. Yeah. Uh, especially if there's a build out involved type of thing so yeah so what were some of their key concerns as far as this one what were some of the questions that you asked them and how did from that did you derive what what was really necessary for you to dig into and what were some of the things that that were musts right and some of the things that were you know more so this particular group they didn't need a whole lot of private office they needed okay. a few spaces for you know the the people that were in charge on a day-to-day basis but they would have meetings weekly where about 50 of their hospice workers would come in for a staff meeting so they needed more or less of an open space but since those 50 some odd people were there just once a week for a few hours Mm -hmm. parking was the utmost importance right. type of thing. And there's a very big difference between the parking that you're going to get in a you know, office tower versus a suburban development. So that was one sure. of the guiding factors in the site selection process that got to the least comparison analysis. Yeah. So a lot of times like in an office tower, you might have an allotment per square foot that you have. So right. 
you know, a couple spaces per thousand square feet right. or something like that. Whereas, you know, you got a, a development that is, you know, got its own parking lot and what they have is what they have type of thing. Sure. So, um, yeah. When we went out into the field, we basically got it down to an office tower or this suburban mixed use. Okay. And they were generally looking for about 5,000 square feet. And what we found in the office tower was, you know, rentable square feet of just over 5,000, but the effective, you know, actual footprint of usable was, uh, little, it was just under 4,400 square feet. The, mm-hmm. the suburban space, it was 6,000 usable. That's the smallest thing, or that was the closest to what they were looking for. Right. Um, the suburban one was new construction at the time and could effectively be built to suit without, you know, a tenant improvement allowance if they stuck to a certain level of build out, which they didn't need a whole lot because they needed mostly open space. Right. Whereas the the class A office tower space, it was going to require some more you know, demo and build out. And, you know, they were going to have to charge for that. So that was a factor that we had to put into our, comparison um both of them were offering five-year terms because i mean if it's new construction they're going to build the suit the only way it's going to pencil out for that landlord anyway is going to be a five-year term usually at minimum because right. they're going to have to amortize the, the cost of those improvements into and, the rent yeah so either way otherwise it's going to It'd be a shorter term is going to be a much higher rate than what somebody's going to be looking at. In yeah. Case. Yeah. Then you'd have that same type of factor that you would have at the class a where they're just going to charge you for it anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the, the suburban place, they had 20 of the 120 spaces that they could have allocated. So it was pretty important to know when they were going to have those meetings because yeah, that's going to be one of my questions as to, like, did this fall during the busiest time of day for these places, or is this possibly something that was happening more after hours or something right. like that? Right. So they were basically going to have to take that into consideration, whereas the Class A office space, they were adjacent to a very large retail center that, you know, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, uh, doesn't really matter if you go and park over there. because There's a lot of excess potentially excess parking space. How are they going to not know that, you know, they weren't we're, shopping we're, <laughs> and they were there or for that work. they weren't running in there to get lunch and, yeah. and still going to their meeting or whatever it might be. So, I mean, even though they were going to have 17.7 spaces allotted to them for their parking ratio, I mean, they could effectively get away with, there was a lot of other spaces available adjacent adjacent. Yeah. So that was less of a factor. Um, yeah. So, since at the time this group was in growth mode, they wanted to have you know potential room to grow and mm-hmm. write a first refusal. Both of the spaces they could get around 2,000 or just under 2,000 square feet, write a first refusal that were directly adjacent to those uh, units that we we're looking at. Right. And I think there was, there was a consideration in this about proximity to uh, a secondary facility or something. Yes. Like that, right? So since they were a uh, hospice group, they needed to be geographically in between these two medical facilities. And both okay. of these were relatively close to each other. 
and almost as strategically middle between these medical facilities as you could possibly be. So did you do something in the analysis that basically looked at drive times or radius or anything to that effect? Or? It, it was just plot point on a map saying, hey. Where they are and then what, what are the closest things that might fit the needs right. for these places. Exactly. So they could show those people out of state saying these are geographically where we need to be, right. more or less. And was there any consideration as sort of the ingress, egress of those things or where the, the employees lived and that type of thing as far as Yes. That so the ingress and egress was something since, you know, they're going to have these 50 some odd people sure. coming uh, once a week that aren't there all the time because mm -hmm. they're out in the field tending to the, the, the clientele. Uh, they wanted to make sure it was easily seen and easy to get to because Hey, they might not be familiar with the area. Yeah, I would think like the the more visibility and the easier it is to just get in and out. Or if it's near a landmark type of thing. Sure. So that was definitely uh, something that was considered. Um, you know, another thing that's always taken in consideration is uh, when you're doing office deals is, you know, if you're in that tower, more often than not, you're going to have janitorial or whatever, mm -hmm. all those extra things. So sure. amenities, you know, built in uh, that are under consideration. Right. You know, another one is uh, turnaround time for, you know, if there's a build out. How long would it take you to get into the space? Right. Exactly. Was uh, sort of the idea of growth or additional available square footage a consideration for them? Yeah, as yeah. Sort of just coming into the market type thing? Yeah, like, as, like I mentioned earlier that uh, they were a business in growth. So right. they had the right of first refusal option on uh, both of the sites that were under consideration. Okay. So ultimately what they wanted to do and what they ended up doing is they went with the suburban mixed use space. Okay. And on the surface, it looks like they were paying more per square foot, but when you adjust it, for the usable, mm -hmm. it was actually less. I mean, it was more per month, but it was. Uh, you but know, they got over, overall more square footage. Yeah. So it made that expansion. Yeah. So, I mean, it was 22 a foot on that 6,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. But if they had gone in the office tower that was offered at uh, 1950 a foot, mm -hmm. but it was effectively a smaller space so i mean that was then the the usable square footage so that space that was marketed at 1950 on the rentable on the usable was 2242 a foot and so for the actual usable square footage it was more expensive exactly and since the landlord on the suburban space was willing to do the build out more or less build the suit you know, that's incorporated in that 22 a foot. There wasn't the $15 a square foot tenant improvement allowance at 5% over the lease. Right. So effectively, even though it looked like that 11,000 a month was more than, you know, just the rent that was being offered at the class A space, mm -hmm. when you take into consideration that they didn't have to do a build out fee with a fee on top of that, that 11,000 was more attractive. 
Did you ever get an estimate for what that bill that was going to cost and factor that into the analysis as well? It, or? We didn't get that far because once they kind of got to that line item, mm -hmm. they were like, just if we do any nominal work, it's going to be already more expensive than the brand new right. space. You're already looking at a usable square footage that was more expensive. Yeah. And so any additional cost was going to further it was, increase that. Exactly. Um, they were both five-year deals. Uh, the tra the the parking was kind of where things got a little tricky, since okay. there was only 120 spaces at the suburban. Right. But since multiple of the retail tenants on the ground floor were ones that wouldn't operate in the morning, they just basically had to figure out these meetings will be in the morning when this you know restaurant and other groups are not there because you know it's not they don't do breakfast type of thing so, so they they ended up sort of adjusting the schedule around to accommodate for the fact when they there would be the greatest availability of excess parking spaces exactly development exactly and so this is kind of we we had touched on it a little bit but it sort of comes down to you have to know the question the right questions to ask right, right? And we had kind of discussed this the, in the last one, which was, you know, be be as knowledgeable about your tenant because they're not necessarily they're not going to know what they don't know. Right. And so that's that's your job as the professional is to ask the right questions to get the information that's really going to give give them the space that's most suited to their needs. Right. So, I mean, it's just the dynamics of what their business needs are and then trying to match them with the building that will make sense and at the price you know getting to that effective price because just because something's quoted one way mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's what you're effectively that's what paying you're gonna pay sure yeah and we didn't even get into like say if the tenant does their home build out and they get some free rent yeah that that will also you know break down differently of what the effective amount that they're paying so it's it's good to do that comparison to show them that, hey, this might look like more a month, but really, pound for pound, it's a better deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, you said that these were folks that came from out of state, correct? Correct. So well, did, yeah. Did you do some research and look at other facilities that they had and that type of thing to get an idea of what their business model looked like? Well, not we wasn't really able to do that because this was... Or are they just brand new? Yeah, so they were an out-of-state group that bought this company and okay. were expanding. And, you know, there was this gal who was a, a, a nurse, I believe, and was high up in that medical profession, mm -hmm. brought on as a regional manager, I believe. But she just didn't know anything about this market. She was from, you know, a central part of the state, if I remember correctly and didn't know this area at all so right. there was a lot of hand holding and getting her up to speed and this comparison analysis gave her everything that she needed to know to like go to her higher ups and say this is the pros and cons this is the effective amount that we're paying how do we how do we go forward which one do we pick and both of them were very viable options it was just a preference thing at the end of the day and how they were able to make it fit operationally that was part of the parking because that was 
if there were retail tenants that were going to be operating all throughout the day, then that mm-hmm. suburban one wouldn't have worked, period. Sure. Um, and they would have really just had to default go to the office tower. Right. So they really were trusting you to be the experts both on the market and with the idea of the user building, the functional functional use of the space. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a probably my best example of doing a, a lease analysis um, that I have year to date. <laughs> yeah. Is there any other things about that that were, you know, were, were there some things that you felt like were, were big wins in that or things that you're really happy at that either you thought to ask or that you're, you're happy with it? Yeah. Any, any time that I hear about a tenant, that's an office tenant that has a lot of traffic hmm. that can be a sticking point for some landlords. Some landlords might just say, no, yeah, yeah, sure. Especially if you're going <laughs> to take up that many parking spaces and everything else like that. Yeah, right? I mean, you can you can say that about some retail tenants. Um, I sure. know that uh, a lot of the grocery store leases that I've read, it's like no um, uh, gyms because mm-hmm. gyms can create a lot of parking usage issues right. or uh, theater churches as well. Yeah. Uh, anything that's going to have a intense amount of traffic, some restaurants, uh, you know, some grocery stores might like to limit the restaurants to how many square feet that they, you know, if you have a, a big restaurant, that's like a 10,000 square foot space. And that's a lot of parking to serve that. Cause if you think 10,000 square feet, probably seating about 300 people then you have the mm-hmm. staff on top of that if it's a good restaurant jumping on a, a a friday night i mean that could be or a, a saturday afternoon for lunch i mean that's sure. a, that's a lot of parking to take up and not to mention especially if these things are happening like in the situation of a church within a relatively tight time yeah. frame then you're looking at like if people can't get in or out of this retail space that's going to affect everybody else's business right so that's just one of the things that that can come up a lot um but you know in the lease analysis it's not always about the numbers it can be the co-tenancy yeah it's not necessarily about like we were talking about it's not necessarily the the cheapest space and to figure out what does that really mean in in application exactly all right any other thoughts that's that's it for now all right thank you ryan you're welcome